inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy and teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Have you ever wondered... Have you ever said to yourself, I've never, I can't, I won't. That's just the way things are. That's just my lot in life. That's just the way the cards were dealt. That's just the sad reality. Anything like that ever happen? Have you ever felt like that you have very little control? Have you ever taken a look at your family of origin and realized, man, no wonder I messed up. (laughs) Well, today I got some good news for you because today I want to remind you that you might not be able to control what people do to you, but you have full control over how you codify what they did to you. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about a list that I created. I created a list called Seven Things We Need to Become Us, and I called it Becoming You. I covered them a couple weeks in the show. It's called Becoming You. Go to likeitmattersradio.com and look it up and listen to it, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, just search for Like It Matters Radio or Live in Life Like It Matters. I have two different podcasts. Uh, and just search Becoming You. You'll find it. But there's seven things we need to become us. Look back learning, truth therapy, emotional intelligence, vision, purposeful operating systems, and action. You got to do something. Today, we're going to focus on number two. See, I'm going to continue to dissect these seven things needed to become us. The deep dive is on reframing today. See, nothing in our world has any meaning except the meaning we give it. We believe what we listen to over and over and over. And this matters because it doesn't really matter what happens to us as much as how we codify it, the frame we remember it through. You see, the frame we put around things create meaning and perception. And no one responds to reality. We respond to our perception, our map of reality. And remember, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created. I always tell people, stop there. Our first introduction to God is as creator. And then 25 verses later, it says, let us make man in our image under our likeness. Don't you hear? We were made in the God class, and we were made to create. And as creative creatures, we have the ability to frame and reframe situations. We might not be able to control what happens to us, but we can control how we codify it, how we store it, the experiences, the trauma, the drama, the frame we put around them changes the meaning. When we change the frame, we change the meaning. And so today, I'm going to ruminate on a topic I call frame up. It's all about changing and understanding reality because nobody responds to reality. We respond to our map of reality. I remember this lighthouse story from Seven Habits of Highly uh, Successful People. It's a story about an interaction 
between a crew member on a ship and the captain. It was a dark and stormy night and there was chaos. A crew member didn't know what to do. The captain was asleep. So the crew member went in the captain's quarter and shakes him. Captain, captain, wake up. The captain just responded. He used to it, said, well, the crew member said, sorry to wake you, sir, but we have a serious problem. Again, the captain said, well, what is it? The crew member said, there's a ship in our sea lane about 20 miles away and they refuse to move. The captain responded, what do you mean they refuse to move? Just tell them to move. You know how to use that radio, don't you? The crew member said, but sir, we have told them to move. They will not move. And so the captain then got up, a little angry, said, then I'll tell them. So he says, you send this signal out. Move starboard 20 degrees. And he's looking over this crew member's shoulder. So the signal goes out. A message comes back says, move starboard yourself 20 degrees. The captain saw the message, and now he's getting livid. It's the middle of night. He was woken up from sleep. I can't believe this, he says. Well, I'm a captain in the military of the United States of America. You let them know who I am. I'm important. I have authority. So the crew member sends out the signal. It says, this is Captain Horatio Hornblower, the 24th. Commanding you to move starboard 20 degrees at once. Captain's looking over the crew member's shoulder. A signal returns. This is Seaman Carl Jones II commanding you to move starboard 20 degrees at once. Now the captain, you can see him getting ready, steaming. He's thinking, what arrogance. And so he says it out loud. What arrogance. I mean, what presumption. Here's a seaman commanding me, a captain in the U.S. Navy, who could just blow them right out of the water. We could just, just tell them who we are. So that crew member with new confidence sends out the signal. This is the mighty Missouri flagship of the 7th Fleet. The signal returns. This is the lighthouse. That's a true story. It's found in Naval Proceedings Magazine, where a lighthouse was literally interpreted as a ship. To me, that story is such a great example because it shows how we can think we're so proper, so on course, but then we get an understanding that changes everything. It's like my favorite poem from Valerie Cox called The Cookie Thief. A woman was waiting at an airport one night with several long hours before her flight. She hunted for a book in the airport shop, bought a bag of cookies and found a place to drop. She was engrossed in her book, but happened to see that the man beside her, as bold as could be, grabbed a cookie or two from the bag between, which she ignored to avoid a scene. She munched cookies and watched the clock as the gutsy cookie thief diminished her stock. She was getting more irritated as the minutes ticked by, thinking, if I weren't so nice, I'd blacken his eye. With each cookie she took, he took one too. When only one was left, she wondered what he'd do. With a smile on his face and a nervous laugh, he took the last cookie and broke it in half. He offered her half as he ate the other. She snatched it from him and thought, oh, brother, 
This guy has some nerve and he's also quite rude. Why, he didn't even show any gratitude. She had never known when she'd been so galled and sighed with relief when her flight was called. She gathered her belongings and headed to the gate, refusing to look back at that thieving ingrate. She boarded the plane and sank in her seat, then sought her book, which was almost complete. As she reached in her baggage, she gasped with surprise why there was her bag of cookies in front of her eyes. If mine are here, she moaned with despair. Then the others were his, and he was the one to share. Too late to apologize, she realized with grief that she was the rude one, the ingrate, the thief. Sometimes we think we're given when we're really taking. I'm sure all of us can relate to times in our lives when we felt absolutely certain our perceptions right, only to find the truth in a different light. Have you been the cookie thief more times than you like to admit? I'm doing the show from Arkansas. You know why? Because I had to come to a reality that I realized that about 10 years ago, I made some choices that really altered the way I was treating certain people. And I would have told you up until a week ago that it was all them. But boy, did I get a reframe. And God showed me, don't worry about them. What about you? And so today on Like It Matters Radio, we're going to talk about the power of reframing. Don't you go anywhere. This could save your marriage or maybe save a life. We'll be right back. My show is about helping people become all they were created to be. Well, we all occupy a body and we don't know how it works. We are born into it. But man, that's a machine. And when you understand how that machine works, then you can work it more effectively. That's my outcome, to help people be able to make better decisions, have some hope, be inspired to be better today than they were yesterday, to live their life like it matters. Like It Matters Radio with Scott Black. Hey, listen, are you a 50-year-old person looking for term life insurance? Then you need to talk to Bob. Bob specializes in helping people find a million dollars or more of term life insurance for a couple of hundred bucks a month. Look, you need to know there's a price war in the term life insurance business and you may be paying too much. Call Bob and he'll shop and see how much money he can save you. Look, this could be the last term life insurance policy you ever have. Your rates are guaranteed for the next 20 years. That's right, guaranteed level rates for the next 20 years. And if you're a smoker or your health is not perfect, Bob has great rates for you too. So for a million dollars of term life insurance coverage for a couple of hundred bucks a month, Call Bob right now. 800-890-5049. 800-890-5049. That's 800-890-5049. Paid for by Term Direct. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, like it matters. Inspiration, education, and application. And you know why we do radio like it matters? Because you matter because your time matters. And that's really one of the ultimate reframes is that we matter. You know, I've been walking with people intimately for over 30 years. This is my 31st year changing lives. And one thing I realized a long time ago is most people are their own worst enemies. 
I used to say this saying all the time because it's in my head and heart. I've met the enemy and he's living in my shorts. In other words, if other people said and did to me what I do in my own head, I would never tolerate it. I mean, my dad beat on me for 16 years and beat on me one last time and I didn't respond to it. So he said, get the, how do we put this? The flock, get the flock out of my house <laughs> at 16 years old. Free at last, free at last. Great God, I'm free at last. But a lot of rage, a lot of anger, a lot of hurt. And he might've stopped beating on me at 16 years old, but guess who took over? Ah, I did. I kept playing the tapes. I kept playing the program. I kept playing the narrative. And over almost 40 years, I've been working to clean myself up. And man, I like myself today. I like the company I keep when I'm by myself. I like to share my bed with myself because no matter who you sleep with, we all have to sleep with ourselves. Because when we close our eyes, it is that environment, the space between the stimulus and the response that either makes us bitter or better, makes our life heaven or hell, make us proactive or reactive. And so today I'm up in Arkansas because I'm under construction. See, one thing I don't like is that a lot of people in my life think I think I'm God. And absolutely not. I have a God and I'm not him. His name is Jehovah. His name is Yahweh, Adonai, El Shaddai, El Elyon. He's the ancient of days. He's the first and last, the beginning and the end. He's the pre-existent one. That's my God. And I fall far short of that. I'm not worthy to receive that God, but I, he only says the word and I am healed. See, that's where I talk about the operating system. Well, today we're talking about the reframe because reframing is all about changing a perception. See, the frame we put around things gives it meaning. Let's say this. Let's say, you know, my, my producer, John's a good guy. But let's say uh, you and I were friends and uh, uh, I was going to invite we We're going to go lunch. And I brought my friend, John, my producer, my brother in Christ uh, to lunch with us. And I said, listen, I got to tell you about John before you meet him. And please don't hold this against him. You know, he just got out of prison a while ago. Yeah, he, he killed his whole family. And then he ran over two little babies with a car and then backed up and ran over them again. He was a real hateful, mean man. But, you know, that's not who he is anymore. He's out of prison now. I want to give him a new start. He hasn't really interacted with anybody. So I'm going to bring him to lunch with us. And so you're going to be the first person since he's been out of prison after killing all those people that he's going to interact with. Now, how are you going to treat John when you see him? <laughs> right? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Your frame, right? Your frame around who John is. You're going to stay away. You might even cancel lunch right before. Oh, my gosh, something came up. Sorry. Tell your friend, John. I wish him the best. Now, think about this. If I told you, man, John, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people. And I've been a lot of a lot of difference, a lot of people's lives. But John's one of the people that made the biggest impact in my life. You know, he saved me from drowning one time. And then one time I was going to uh, marry this girl and he 
told me she was bad and he convinced me it was the wrong thing to do. Sure enough, it was the wrong thing to do. You know, this guy's always been on my shoulder, man. He's like connected to God. He sees things and knows things. Uh, and man, I just thought I'd, uh, you know, bring him over and meet you because he's a great guy. Good guy to know. I bet you'd be at lunch. And I bet you'd be talking your ear off to John. And I bet you ask John a lot of questions. You see, it's the same John. But what I did is I framed who John was before you ever met John. And that frame then dictates how you perceive everything that John says or does. It's a filter. And it's going to alter the perception of what you pick up on. And so I'm going to tell you, I'm pretty blunt. This is why I'll never be really famous because I'm transparent. I believe in being real. Uh, I'm not Tony Robbins. I'm not some guru or God. Don't worship me. I'm just as screwed up as most of you just. I know it. That's the difference. And the awareness tends to change things because once you know something, then you can do something about it. But so I want to tell you something. I didn't know this. I just came there because I'm under construction. That's so why I'm in Arkansas. I realized that about uh, 10 years ago, something really big traumatic happened and I knew happened and I kind of just moved on. That really caused me to shut down. Now, people that know me know I'm a passionate guy. I'm a committed guy. I pour myself out when I teach class. I leave nothing on the table. But what I just came to realize, realization, was that I got something that happened broke me so deeply. And I have to move on. It's kind of like being in the middle of war and you get your arm blown off. You tape it up. You put a tourniquet around and you go back into battle. You don't have time to stop. There's a war going on. And so I just soldiered on. But what I got hit with smack in the eyes about a week ago is I quit. I went numb. Now, for those of you that know me, go, what? Come on, black. I've seen sweat dripping out of your I've seen spit flying in my mouth. I saw rage and passion, and you changed my life. Yep. It shows you. Some of us can get away with good enough. You see, that's why I do what I do. Because some of us are gifted. And our 60, 70% effort is more impressive than somebody else's 100% effort. Some of us have been gifted. LeBron James is gifted. Tiger Woods is gifted. Now, do they practice? Oh, sure. But an unpracticed, unrehearsed Michael Jordan, I could prepare for a year to play basketball against Michael Jordan or LeBron James, and they could eat ding-dongs and Twinkies for that month and do no exercise, and they would wipe the floor with me. But I put in all this effort, and they put in none, and actually did negative effort because they're gifted, and they've used those gifts to a great degree for whatever benefit they want. And so this is the key. We can't compare. You can't look at me and say, wow, compared to other people, Mr. Black, you bring it all the time. Yeah. And life's an undulating line. It has peaks and valleys, highs and lows. If you don't believe me, go to a cardiologist. Go to an emergency room and tell them that you're having chest pains. They're going to hook you up to an EKG machine. They're going to put those little pads on you, and they're going to watch this jagged line, this undulating line, the rise and the fall, the systolic and the diastolic. But what happens in life? We get so disappointed. People let us down. 
we stop dreaming, we start hoping, so we don't go high anymore. We, have, we become cynical. We, we bring that high point down to the middle. And then some of us have so much pain, so much hurt, so much brokenness. As a matter of fact, I'm going to share with you a letter from a spouse of someone who went through my training 10 years ago in the third and fourth segment and just to show you the power of reframing. And so you got to understand that just because you're doing better than other people, that means nothing. God doesn't compare you to other people. You shouldn't either. We're all different. We all have a different cross to carry. We all have a different past. We all have different traumas, dramas. We all have different giftings, whether intellectual or physical or emotional or intimately, whatever you want to call it. We all got a package. It's different for everybody. This is why you got to beware of good enough. I love the poem. One of my favorite poets is Edgar Guest. It's called Good Enough. He says, my son, beware of good enough. It isn't made of sterling stuff. It's something any man can do. It marks the many from the few. It has not merit to the eye. It's something any man can buy. Its name is but a sham and bluff, for it is never truly good enough. With good enough, the shrink, the shirkers stop in every factory and every shop. With good enough, the failures rest and lose to men who give their best. With good enough, the car breaks down and men fall short of high renown. My son, remember and be wise in good enough, disaster lies. With good enough, have ships been wrecked, the forward march of armies checked. Great buildings burned and fortunes lost nor can the world compute the cost. In life and money, it has paid because at good enough, men stayed. Who stops at good enough shall find success has left them far behind. There is no good enough that's short of what you can do and ought. The flaw which may escape the eye and temporarily get by shall weaken under the strain and wreck the ship or car or train. For this is true of men and stuff. Only the best is good enough. That's why I'm here. Because I realized I basically walked on life 10 years ago. I stopped feeling pain. The pain was so great. I, someone had made a commitment to me and six months in the commitment, they broke it. And at 50 years old, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just blew my life. I put it all on one, put all my chips in on one person. And that person rejected me six months into it and not knowing I basically became cynical serve people love people honor God but no I didn't I spit in his face because I have great value and see this is the power of reframe so that's a reframe done listen I thought I was doing okay I thought it was someone else and other people doing this and I came to the realization God had to reframe the situation because this is not about them, this is about me. What am I called to do? Who am I called to be? I'm called to forgive 70 times, seven times. I'm called to not keep a power to flesh a record wrong. I'm called to have no spirit of offense. And for those of you that I have hurt by that, I apologize and let you know, uh, boy, I'm under construction and good enough is never good enough. After the break, we're going to talk about the power of reframing in your life. We'll be right back. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. You've had a difference in your relationship with God, too. Tell me about that. Um, yeah, I was I was raised in a church uh, and I kind of stepped away uh, in, in my adult life. And this class kind of brought me right back to, to my faith. And that's a huge, huge part of my life that's just been missing 
and I just I, I feel rejuvenated if that makes sense that you know knowing that God's walking right next to me every day every night you know he's right here for me and everyone else for that matter but he's here for for me right yeah. now and you have some peace don't you oh it's 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 really amazing sorry I'm gonna get emotional okay. but it's 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 amazing it's an amazing feeling inside my heart like it matters unique approach allows people to see hear and experience leadership in motion like it matters radio radio like it matters hi i'm ronnie deutsch and if you or your business owe money to the irs i've got great news for you tax laws have changed billions of dollars are earmarked for irs fresh start programs and if you qualify you can literally save tens of thousands of dollars listen i know what you're going through call me if you want to speak with a tax attorney or tax professional for free 800-246-1687 800-246-1687 Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Living life like it matters. And today, you are the topic. Today, I want you to know that you matter. You are precious. You are God's masterpiece. And you are flawed. You are broken, getting better. And you are under construction. That needs to be said. And not from someone else to us, but from us to us. See, whenever we're talking about communication, we're always talking about two pieces. It's called interpersonal communication and intrapersonal communication. Interpersonal is like interstate. It's between two people. So if John and I were talking and I was working on being a better communicator with someone else, I would work on my interpersonal communication. And that is what most people spend time on. Sales training, conflict resolution, marriage counseling, don't you get it? All that stuff is based on interpersonal communication. Why do you think most of our spouses want us to go to counseling and therapy? It's not to fix the marriage, it's to fix the spouse. (laughs) Because a lot of people think, boy, if my spouse would just change, my marriage would be better. Doesn't that sound good? But that's not necessarily the case. The second type of communication is intrapersonal, intrastate. That is within the person, within the state. That is our self-talk. I'm going to tell you right now, very little time is spent on our self-talk. That's what cognitive behavioral therapy is. That's what Paul said to the Corinthian church, to hold your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. That is cognitive behavioral therapy. It is true therapy. You grab a hold of your thoughts and then you keep those that serve you well and those that don't get rid of them. Why? Because we listen to what we tell ourselves over and over and over and over and over and over. And some of those things are not good. I don't matter. I'm only as good as what other people, uh, what I've done for you. What have you done for me lately? The only good I am to anybody is to serve them. Uh, My needs and wants don't matter. Boy, you ever say those things? Or is it just me? (laughs) And here's the problem. It affects us. Remember we were talking about uh, Caroline Leaf and cleaning up your mental mess. Well, she has this five items we talked about, the five steps of the neurocycle method. And really, this is about 
going inside and holding our thoughts captive, taking a look at our self-talk. And this is what really changed my life about five weeks ago. I had stopped doing my own self-talk work about, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. I'd changed a lot. And then last 10, 12 years, I've been in a valley. I can give you a list of all the things that are happening, all the things I've lost, all the trauma, all the dramas. I listed out last night when I was journaling. There were so many things I totally forgot about that inch by inch started shutting down, started going numb. But it wasn't because of the interpersonal communication. It was because of the intrapersonal, the way I was talking to myself. That's what the whole five steps of the neurocycle method is all about. We got an amazing brain. We got to use it. Energy follows thought. We can, we can scientifically see this now. That our thoughts create protons. Remember Star Trek? Proton phasers? Protons. It's, uh, you know, it, 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 it's the base of energy. Once you understand that when you focus on something, it's like watering a plant. The more you focus on, the more you feed it, the more it grows. And so what Dr. Caroline Lee said, first become aware. And when I started becoming aware of my unconscious self-talk, I was stunned. I remember one time driving on the street, this is about a month ago. I'm not thinking about my wife. I'm not doing anything about my wife. I didn't just talk to my wife. I'm doing just a normal day. And I just check into my self-talk. And you know what I heard? I heard myself having an argument with my wife, defending how I'm of value and I'm not the worst person in the world and I help a lot of people and I've given you some... What am I doing? Why is that going on at the unconscious level? And because I was aware of this anxiety in me. I'm like, where, why am I anxious? And then I actually tuned in what was going on in my head at the unconscious level. See, this is what Dr. Caroline Leaf's talked about. We got to go inside. We got to become aware. This is what those eight steps, the, the thoughts and emotions journal I covered in yesterday's show. So here's the five steps. Number one, she says, gather, read, listen, watch what you're thinking, how you're feeling. Remind yourself that this person often uses their actions and words as a cry for help. And this is a sign that they're trying to make sense of what is happening to them, but they don't know how to correctly verbalize their needs or pain. Do you see what this is doing? The gathering, pulling in data, and even in the pulling in data, there's an on, a, a, a reframe that's starting. Do you hear how we're reframing it? And so then, once we go through all that and figure that out and do all that, then we reflect. We ask, we answer, discuss this with ourselves. What do you think self-talk is? It's thinking, talking to yourself. So we work to find the deeper meaning behind their words and their actions. We take the perceptual positions, first position, second position, third position, which gives us more data to make a better choice and understanding of what's going on. What are they going through? How are they hurting? What's making them react in this way? This is what, when I came to this realization, when I started doing this over the last couple days, it hit me hard. Where I was in tears and had to call and tell my wife she wasn't really interested in hearing that. Man, I'm so sorry. I quit on you. I didn't realize I did. I got so cold, so callous, so hurt. And I was justified because she did this to me and she did that and she doesn't do this and she's got this problem. Not that any of you have ever done that, right? You've got to scratch that CD. You got to break that LP. For some of you, it's been going on a lot longer. You got to pull on that A track. It's programming. And it's unconscious. 
It's making you sick. The body releases 63 known chemicals based on what we're thinking about, our breathing, our physiology. So once we reflect on that now journal, and I told you I journaled about six pages last night, crying most of the time. Journal. Organize your thoughts. Put what you're going through in your journal or the notes section of your laptop, smartphone, whatever works. This helps you organize your thoughts, will release the emotional sting of your pain. Get it out of your body and put it on paper. Otherwise, it's going to keep looping and keep processing. You won't get off your head. And when you write out, you process all three ways, auditory, visually, kinesthetic. Once you write that out, then recheck. Reread it. Reanalyze. Examine what you've written down. Talk to someone else. Get a wider perspective. That's, what I'm, that's why I'm in Arkansas. That's why I reached out to my good friend like Don No and other people like that. Say, man, I'm struggling. That's what leaders do. And then after you recheck that, and, and then number five, this is active reach. Apply what you learned in some tangible way. Once you've calmed down, reach out and love and ask them what you can do. Even this just means listen to them as they express their emotions. See, think about what our mind is. Our mind is the most fundamental, and the most fundamental definition is how we think, feel, and choose. That's why Caroline Lee's five-step neuropsycho process works so well. That's why those eight steps of the Thoughts, Emotions Journal work so well. I remember a story I heard years ago about a preacher. He was a young preacher who was new to the pew and the public speaking part of the job. And he would himself admit that he was, shall we say, humor impaired. He wasn't too funny of a guy. And so he went to trainings to learn how to be a better speaker and be a better comedian. So he attended a preaching conference where there were many well-known and dynamic speakers. And again, his intent was to become better. As the event went on, he heard many great speakers. One speaker boldly approached the pulpit and gathered the entire crowd's attention, said, the best years of my life were spent in the arms of a woman that wasn't my wife. The crowd was shocked. You could hear the gasp. He quickly followed up, and that woman was my mother. (laughs) The crowd burst into laughter. The speaker delivered the rest of his sermon, which went over quite well. This moment, though, really impressed this preacher who was not that good. And so he was going to take it like I do. When I hear something, I learn something, I want to apply it right away. So this gentleman wanted to do the same thing. This preacher wanted to do the same thing. So next week, it just happened to be Mother's Day weekend. And the timid pastor decided he'd give this humor thing another chance. And he was going to use that joke in his sermon because it's so powerful. He loved the reaction from the crowd. So he thought God had actually given the perfect Mother's Day joke for that sermon. And he was ready. He was, he was excited. He, he could see the congregation laughing. So as he approached the pulpit that sunny Sunday, he's rehearsing the joke in his head to make sure he got it right. You know, he has a lot going on in his head, making sure the sermon was aligned, making sure everything, you know, all that stuff. And so he's getting worried. And now the, the, the jokes start to get foggy to him. I've been there before. I get myself so worked up and I'm worried about not for remembering something and then I make myself lose it. So as he got to the microphone, he started getting worried because he could not remember the exact way to say the punchline. Yet he forged ahead. I mean, what else did he do? It it was time. And so here he goes. So he started out. The greatest years of my life were spent in the arms of another woman that was not my wife. The congregation gasped. They stared at him. 
And he just stood there tongue-tied. He forgot the punchline. And people are glaring at him in amazement at the statement that he just said and waiting for something else. He didn't know what else to do. He couldn't remember the line, so he repeated himself again, hoping it would jog his memory. So he says again, the best years of my life were spent in the arms of another woman that was not my wife. And after another stunned silence, trying to recall the second half of the joke, the pastor finally blurted out, and for the life of me, I can't remember who she was. <laughs> yeah. See, getting our message in order is important. But let me suggest, we've got to get our message in order in our head, in our intrapersonal communication. Because it is the filter through which our interpersonal communication. If you think you're a piece of crap, you're going to talk to people differently. If you think you have no value, you're going to talk to people differently. If you think you have been nothing but dumped on by this world, different ways of interaction are going to come out of your mouth. I'm Black. We'll be right back. You're a work in progress. A little more. A little more. Constantly under construction. That's good. To build your productive life, you need the right tools from Mr. Black and Like It Matters Radio. A good golfer has a great caddy who shares the load and understands the course. Hire Mr. Black as your life caddy to live more fulfilling and successfully. If you want to get to the next level and beyond both personally and professionally, sign up for Mr. Black's Immersive Leadership Awakening class. It's the most powerful transformational two days you will ever experience. Stay in touch with Mr. Black and the change connected to him on your schedule with his daily podcast. Search Living Like It Matters wherever you get your podcasts. Walk along with Mr. Black as he goes to God's instruction manual. It's manna from the Word of God with Mr. Black's Bible teaching at wayofwarrior.blog. Build yourself up like it matters and get everything God has for you. Go to likeitmatters.net. That's likeitmatters.net. If you're confused, lost, lonely, or feel like you're living in a foreign land, you are not alone. This is Scott B. Black, host of Like It Matters Radio. It's this crisis that created Like It Matters Radio in 2015. God charged me to bring hope to the airwaves by bringing clarity to the confusion and to help guide people to function at a higher level. We bring truth therapy and we need your help. Like It Matters Radio is now available to radio stations across this country. We need Like It Matters Radio in all 50 states and here's what you can do to help. Please call the program manager of your local radio station. Ask them to add Like It Matters Radio to their schedule. It doesn't cost them anything and will add value to their station lineup. If you have questions, you can email me at mrblack at likeitmattersradio.com. Our nation needs to hear this message because our beloved country is rapidly deteriorating and freedom is continually being quenched. Call your local radio station today and ask them to add Like It Matters Radio. Together, we can help others live their lives like it matters. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. I am black, and yes, I do have opportunities for you to live your life like it matters. Uh, This radio show is great. It was created as a way to help people daily uh, win the battle. The battle is in the mind. The battle is between the stimulus and the response. Remember Dr. Viktor Frankl said, between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is our power. It is our freedom. Nobody can technically make you anything. We are like sponges. And when we get squeezed by life, the only thing that can come out of us is what's in us. 
when, think about it, I always say this, when Jesus Christ was being crucified, the people who he came to save are now stringing him up and slaughtering him, ripping the flesh off his body, draining his fluids out of his body. He said seven things on that cross. And if you are a believer in the risen King Jesus, you should know these seven things. They are critically important. But let me tell you the first thing he said. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And I'm going to tell you right now, we need some forgiveness for ourselves and for other people. That's kind of reframing. A reframing doesn't make it okay, but it puts a little meaning. See, I want you to imagine, I used to do this. So you, you go buy a picture. Let's say you go to a, uh, someplace and you buy a picture off someone that has a frame and a matting on it, but you don't like the frame and matting and you want to make it nicer. So you have this company that you go to, and I do this at Michael's, and they reframe your pictures for you when you buy them. This is what I used to do. And I'm going to tell you, very seldom did I ever get a picture back that I gave them with a new matting and a new frame where I didn't look at it and it looked totally different. I'm just going to be honest with you. Now, it was the same picture, but because the different color in the matting, a, a different style of frame, all of a sudden my eyes are drawn to something different. And see, that's why I talk about the perceptual positions. There's first position, second position, third position. First position is from yourself. See, with the situation with my wife, you know, I had been functioning in first position, seeing things from my pain, seeing things from my abandonment, seeing things from my, what I felt was rejection. And because I was hurt, I didn't want to go into second position. See, second position is the ability to get out of your own perspective and to step in the shoes of another person. To actually become them, not to imagine what it's like to be them, not to sit in first position as yourself and say, oh, this is probably what she's going through. That's not putting yourself in a position. That's you assuming that you know what she's going through, but you can't or he. So what you have to do is actually metaphorically get out of your own skin, get out of your own chair, get out of your own shoes and switch around and become that other person. Get in their skin, get in their seat, walk in their moccasins. Because isn't that the definition of empathy? The ability to walk a mile in someone else's moccasins? And so you got to understand. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get writer's block if you like to write. And stories about a guy who, who had writer's block, he had to get an article out. But he, uh, he was stuck. He was having a writer's block. And so his friend said, listen, I got a condo on the beach in California. Why don't you go out there, chill out? No one's out there. I'm sure the waves and the quietness, there's a couple of bottles of wine in there. Just relax. I'm sure it'll come to you. So his friend takes him up on the offer. First night, he's out there sitting on the, the deck, listening to the waves crash, the sun set, and he, he looks down the beach and he sees the strangest thing. It looks like there's dumpsters of trash have been dumped along the beach. The dumpster after dumpster after dumpster, just lining the beach up down up the road a little bit up the beach a little bit and in the middle of this pile of trash he saw this person doing this jig this dance back and forth in no hurry go from the pile of trash to the waterfront back to the pile of trash to the waterfront and then, you know he looked a little bit but didn't think anything of it. it's california no, no big deal next night he's sitting out there on the deck again watching the sunset sipping a glass of vino listening to waves crash and he sees the same thing he sees that there's like 
piles and piles and piles of trash along the beach. And again, it looks like the same person is going from that pile of trash to the waterfront, back and forth and back and forth. Now he figures he's got to see what's going on because something's not right. Maybe this guy needs some help. So he puts on a coat, starts walking along the beach. And as he got closer, he realized what was going on. And at this point, I always stop and say, that's a leadership principle. You got to hear it. When you change your position, you change your perspective. See, that's why the perceptual positions are so powerful. Because when you change your position, you change your perspective. Each perspective gives you more data. So you can see what's truly going on, not your inference, not your implication, not your, uh, you know, whatever, uh, whatever you want to call it, your made up belief of what's really going on. You can actually see it because you change your position. And what happened as he got closer, he realized this wasn't trash. These were thousands upon thousands of tens of thousands of starfish that are washed on the shore. And as he got closer, he realized what was happening. And what was happening was he would walk over this pile of starfish and pick up a single starfish and go to the edge of the water and put it back in the water. Now, a guy comes up to him, what are you doing? And there, there are tens of thousands of starfish. You're taking one at a time and taking it and put it in the water. What a waste of your time. Are you okay? Do you need medical attention? What a waste of your time. You're not going to make any difference here. And the whole time, the man who looked homeless just looked at him, didn't say a word. And after he was done speaking, he reached down and picked up a single starfish. He walked to the water's edge. He dipped down. He put his hand in the water and saw that little starfish swim out to the ocean. And after that, he turned his gaze back to the man, looked him deeply in the eye, and he pointed at the water. And he said it made all the difference in the world to that one. This is why reframing is important. Because you are a conduit. See, as a leader, there's only two, uh, two vessels we can be. We can be a cistern or we can be a conduit. A cistern holds things like a vase or a vase. And I always like to say, you know, the, you know what the difference between a vase and a vase is? About $60,000 a year in income. You know, when Jeremiah told the Jews, nope, get comfortable because you're going to be here a while. They didn't like that. So they gave him the Trump attack. So they threw him in prison because they didn't like what was coming out of Jeremiah's mouth. And the Bible says they threw him in a cistern. It holds things. It was a pit, a well. But that's what a cistern does. You know, the, the, the Dead Sea is one of the lowest places on the earth, if not the lowest. And it's only fed by a couple of underground waterways. But nothing comes out of the Dead Sea. That's why it's the Dead Sea. And see, if you're a cistern, you're just all the pouring, all the people have helped you, all the blessings, you're just holding on to them. But a conduit is a pass-through agent. A conduit is like PVC pipe underground. In Texas, we call that a sprinkler system. And the PVC pipe is a conduit. Its sole purpose is to get a resource from point A to point B. What is that resource? Water.
Now you get to consider what is your resource? Is it hope? Is it love? Is it life? See, that's what I want to give to people. But I've got to go into my own thinking and challenge my thinking and reframe. And what you reframe is you, you just change the meaning. So my, I talk about how painful my childhood was. The abuse, the neglect, it drove me to do a lot of things I'm not proud of. Can I tell you something today? I am grateful for my childhood. Do you hear me? That's a reframe. Something that caused me so much pain, now I can say I'm grateful. I would not want to go back and relive it. It doesn't condone what my dad did to me. Don't hear that. What I'm saying without that pain, I wouldn't be able to help the hundreds of thousands of people I help daily and I've helped in my lifetime. It's that pain that put me where I'm, it's that pain that agitates me to help and it's that pain that I have a tendency to hold on to. And so as I've been reframing, I've been looking, oh my gosh, it's not been my wife and she's done stuff, don't get me wrong, but I'm not worried about her, I'm focused on me and I've done wrong. I'm gonna fix me. That's the reframe and that's what you have the ability to do. One of the greatest reframes is up until now. See, if we keep telling ourselves, I'm not good at public speaking, I need eight hours of sleep a night to function, that uh, nobody loves me. If we keep saying that stuff over and over, that's what we believe. They're called belief systems. And so you got to scratch those CDs, you got to break those LPs, you got to pull on that eight track and then reframe up until now. Up until now, I've been emotionally detached, but now I'm ready to feel again. Up until now, I was the bigger problem, not my wife, and I'm now ready to be the biggest lover, not my wife. Go to likeitmatters.net. 48 hours, I'll teach you how to reframe everything in your life, and then you'll have a daily radio show and a podcast to keep it going. I'm Mr. Black reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. You have been listening to Mr. Black, Master Trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.